0: Could just say look up on the banners because that's what we're going to look at this evening. Amen. John chapter four. Now we're going to start in verses thirty one through thirty eight. You know the. I don't know. I'm going, I got to find a new word. I hate calling it a story because it's not. I mean, it is a story, but it's not a story. It's the truth that happened. So it's not like it's some fable or anything like that. When I say story. But um, in this portion of scripture, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so as they get up to uh, where the well was, the disciples decide they're going go to town and grab some Arby's. Um, I don't know if Arby's was over there. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken is there. Uh, don't feel bad for us in Poland. We have Kentucky Fried Chicken. We have Pizza Hut. We have McDonald's. We have Subway What more do you need? Right. We have an Aldi's So, you know, it's not like we're gonna be hurting to find a place to shop and what's that other place? Lytle, uh, Lytle, if you're on the East Coast, you can find Lytle's They actually had one in uh, the Woodbridge area and they have those over there So uh, if you want to know what it's like in Europe, go east, young man, go east, and you can find a lot of Europe um, out east. But they went into town to to grab some food. Jesus was there, and he had a specific purpose. We can say, in a sense, Jesus was an itinerant preacher. He would go different places and preach, but it wasn't just, well, I'm going to go here, go here, happenstance and stuff like that. No, Jesus had uh, a plan Mm -hmm. for every place that he went. And uh, we, we see him on the move constantly. And so as he's there, he has in mind the woman at the well. But not only the woman at the well. Sometimes that's all we think about. But there's a multitude of people because of her that came to Jesus Christ and received him as Savior. To the point where Jesus stayed and taught them. I believe for two days. But uh, uh, if you would please stand uh, John chapter 4. Verses 31 through 38. So as the disciples are coming back, they saw the woman at the well with Jesus, the Samaritan woman. She was then going back in the town. uh, The disciples come in. And it says here, we begin in verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Wherefore, said the disciples, one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Let's Amen. pray. Father, we do thank you, God, for this evening, Lord. And Lord, as we just look at this mini lesson on missions that you gave your disciples. Lord, how are we to treat the lost how are we to go about looking for the lost? How are we to, in our hearts, feel toward the lost? God, you, you you bring it out so well with your disciples, Lord, and we ask that you would bring it out tonight as well, God. That we would have a burden for the lost. That we would realize that it's not just missionaries that we think of that go around the world to other countries and preach the gospel. That Lord, the mission field is right here in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our villages. In our city, God, we have a command and we have a duty to go and reach them with the gospel. And not just reach them, Lord, but to see a harvest, to see souls come to Jesus Christ as Savior. We ask you to speak to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated unless you like to stand. You can continue standing and uh, don't block the viewing person in front of you. Just walk back and forth. <laughs> This does kind of have a little, you know, sway in it. You know, I'm going to have to. I don't know if I can get out of it though. I might have to get some of those little poles and things. To poles come in handy no matter where you're at in the world. And uh, but uh, but uh, we do see here Jesus kind of giving a, a little lesson here to his disciples. As we said, the chapter opened up with Jesus at a well talking with the woman about water. And again, we know that this was not just normal, ordinary water, but the water of life. The water that would be springing up within her soul, living water. And we see this was not common for that type of day or for that time. Uh, One would be the strict rules that Jews had as far as talking to Samaritans. Um. they were not to mix they were not to communicate they were not to hang out and so the disciples when they came you know they were a little wondering what's going on it says in verse 9 of the same chapter it says then saith the woman of samaria unto him how is it that thou being a jew asketh drink of me which art a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew. But you know what? Jesus wasn't concerned about, you know, what she was, what, what her nationality might have been. He was concerned about her soul. He had a reason for going there. But just Jesus, in a sense, talking with a woman in public. And there were them, too, There. Normally, Jewish men did not speak to women in public. Uh, in John 4, 27, it says, Upon this came his disciple and marveled that he talked with the woman. <clears throat> Jesus never did anything immoral. Jesus never did anything to give you any doubt. As to, 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 it was pure, everything that Jesus did. You know, we do have to be careful about what we do in today's day and age. Uh, about being seen alone together with another woman that's not your wife in a car. Uh, whether, you know, we have a bus route and I would take people home. And you had to be careful about who you took home, whether they were teenagers. Uh, you know, myself as the pastor who drove the bus. Well, if we only had a few come, I wouldn't take the bus. I'd take the car. So you had to be careful that uh, it wasn't just you and a single person. Now there was the grandma that I took home from time to time. And I don't think anybody would be thinking that, uh, you know, I was cheating on my wife taking... Uh, the elderly lady home. Some people might have thought she was robbing the cradle, but they, you know, they wouldn't have thought any, anything of that. So, but you got to make sure that, that 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 you're careful. You do have a testimony. Mm-hmm. He did not put himself in a position to uh, profane his character or anything like that. But Jesus had a reason. He was concerned about the harvest and. We're not talking about an agricultural harvest. We're not talking about the seeds that were planted or had been planted in this case. But a spiritual harvest in John 4 4 it says, and he must needs go through Samaria. There was a reason. Have you ever had that? You know, just, just when it comes to somebody. Maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a, a neighbor. That God just burns your heart for them. And you must needs. Go to your neighbor's house when the Holy Spirit's telling you to go to your neighbor's house. Or as you go to a gas station and you see the, the attendant. Um, and sometimes you may think, well, they might be Mormon. I, I don't need to give them a track. But the Holy Spirit says, go give them one mm-hmm. as you're checking out. You know, things in today's day and age make it so easy for us not to witness anymore. Pay hey, at the pump. Do this over the phone. Do that over the phone. You know, we, We've even gone to Paying bills, people used to put tracks in with checks and mail it. And now we just go on our computer and we tap in, and I'm paying this bill via the internet. And so, but he must needs go through Samir. He had a reason. The last command he gave before he ascended to his father after his resurrection he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you some people think ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you it was after the Holy Ghost came upon them that they received the power Mm -hmm. it wasn't like they were waiting for you know but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me and then he mentions Jerusalem Judea and what and in Samaria Mm -hmm. he's letting them know Samaria (laughs) needs to be reached as well as the uttermost part of the earth There are no people groups unloved by God that will not have been totally reached when Jesus returns. You know, some people want to say, uh, you know, what about the people in the deepest, darkest places of the world? How will they ever be reached? I'm not going to get into my theology and things like that, but I believe everybody has an understanding, whether it's through creation. God gives them the ability to understand that this world didn't just happen by some explosion (coughs) You can't blow up a building and expect it to, you know, turn into something better. And you can explode it and explode it and explode it and keep exploding it until, you know, a thousand years and you'll never have a better building or another building just like it. It doesn't work that way. I believe God put in every person that comes into this earth an understanding of uh, of creation and who He is. And I, I, I think they're their soul is just seared whether it be by what they hear what they see what they allow into their lives and they reject God and reject God But in Revelation 5 9 it says and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood where out of every kindred every tongue people and nation. People are going to be saved from all over. Nobody has an excuse. Well, I never heard. Not good enough. Mm -hmm. Let's just make one thing clear. Let's not give them an excuse. I've never heard. Let's not give them that excuse. In other words, when the Holy Spirit tells us to witness, witness. When he says sow the seed, sow the seed. Mm -hmm. When he says give them a track, give them a track. The last thing we want to hear is from somebody that maybe is on trial, why they're in hell, and they say, well, so-and-so never told me about Jesus. They were my neighbor, and they're in heaven, but they never told me. The harvest marks the end of the growing season or the growing cycle. We live in the midst of maybe you not as much as I do, live in the midst of harvest or, or fields that are, and you can actually see that. I, we don't see much wheat, but I like I like looking at wheat fields better than I do soybeans and corn. Um, I like corn when it's green, and uh, looking at it that way, when it's ready to harvest, and they harvest it for cattle food, not for eating, for, for humans. Um, that's what I see, and it's all yellow and nasty looking, but I, I like wheat fields, and you see it, you know, Amber waves of grain, you see it blowing in the wind there. Um, It's just wonderful to look at. But we live in the midst of harvest fields. But the thing is, we're also surrounded by souls. You you, you may not have a farm. We have a farm uh, behind us, fields behind us. And right now I think it's soybeans. Soybeans in the field. That's nasty when they have (coughs) soybeans with dust everywhere. Um, Cornfields, soybeans all around us. But you know what else is all around us there? There are there are mission fields. There are fields full of people that need to be harvested. And again, I, I, you don't know who is ready to be harvested. Mm-hmm. You don't know who is ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. That's not necessarily for our knowledge. Our job is just to sow the seed. Mm-hmm. Our job is to witness. When the Holy Spirit has dealt with someone's heart and has convicted them, as we'll see here in Uh, In the scripture. When that time comes. We just need to be ready then. To show them what Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ paid their sin debt. How Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. So that we can receive. Or excuse me. That we can see. A harvest reaped. Or Yes that's correct. Got to make sure. Proverbs 10:5 says, he that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. You can either be working for the Lord or not working for the Lord as, as I'm sure said it's more than just coming to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Christian life is a daily life. the Christian life is a daily walk. We don't only knock doors and we don't only tell people about Jesus on church days. Again, as I said, you don't know when God, when the Holy Spirit's working on someone's heart. And it may be at the most inopportune time that you would want to talk to someone. You got something to do. You're on a time schedule, but the Holy Spirit says, talk to them. Stop and do it. But, 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 but. And he doesn't want any buts. He just wants us to say, okay, I'll do it. Why Because that's when the Holy Spirit's working on that person's heart because of maybe a trial in their life or maybe something else that they're go- that's going on in their life that we don't know anything about. We can learn about harvesting of souls for heaven from what Jesus says here. And I just want to look at quickly at four points here. first thing we see is the instructive alert in his harvesting. Jesus alerts them. He gives them some instructions about the harvest. Look at verse 35. In verse 35 it says, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? It's a question. He's saying to them, Don't you say there are yet four months, and then it's time to harvest? I can't prove it. I'm thinking in my mind that it's possible that the seeds were just recently sown at this time. That's why he says that are there yet not four months and then come at the harvest? In other words, hey, we just planted seeds. Farmers were out planting. And you're saying that four months, then we're going to be able to have a harvest. He says, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Now, I don't think Jesus was telling them to look behind him or look around and see a harvest of, of wheat or grain or barley get into that later, but what was his alerts or his instructions? First, the harvest period. He says, say not ye there yet four months and then come at the harvest. In other words, the time for harvesting is now. It's not four months from now. None of us in this room have the guarantee that we're going to be alive in four months. So if we say, well, I'll start witnessing in four months. When I get the nerve, when when, when I, you know, whatever reason we give it, I'll, I'll start witnessing then. What if we don't have time then? What about the people from now till then that may never hear Jesus Christ from us, that may never hear a gospel message from us, that may never get a track telling them how to be saved? Time for harvest is now. Don't postpone until tomorrow what you can do today. I'm sure you've all heard. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Procrastinators don't like that. One. You know, don't do today what you can put off till tomorrow. That's going to be like. Oh, did I say we? I'm sorry. I didn't say that. But the best time when it comes to action is between yesterday and today. It's right now can't do nothing about yesterday. It's past. Really, you don't know if you're going to be around tomorrow. So the time we have for action is right now. Not only the harvest period is now, but we see the harvest plight. He says, look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. In other words, there are people that need to be saved. Now, again, I'm not saying go through some cheap, just pray this prayer after me thing. There are people that God's dealing with all over this city. You don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts. But there are. And God uses us to sow the seed. And maybe it was a tract that you gave somebody. And all of a sudden, five months from now, they read it. And God starts speaking to their heart. And that person goes to another church in another state. And God starts dealing with them and they go to that church or somebody from that church knocks on their door inviting them out to church. God had been dealing with that person. The Holy Spirit had been convicting that person. If we just say, I'm just going to wait until it's church time to to, to go witnessing. I'm going to wait until, you know, I'm out with everyone else and then I'll start handing out tracts. We may miss that one person. We may miss the harvest harvest is ready to be weaved, reaped. it's and unto harvest many times we don't see it I think when we get to this and we actually look at what's going on we'll, we'll get to that in the next point we'll see that there were people ready to be saved but I'm not going to throw this out I try to throw it out at, at every time I, I get to speak but what is the mission field you want a question, what's the mission of every believer, every born-again believer? What's the mission of every born-again believer? To go with the gospel. Okay, there's other things we could put in there as far as church and things to practice in the church and services and things like that. But the goal, as we see in all the gospels and we see in Acts, is to go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. Excuse me, I have commanded you the uh, the, the great commission. So our job is to go with the gospel. That's the mission of every believer. And it doesn't matter if I'm here or in Poland. Hopefully, you know, that, I don't think, I'm not going to Poland to kick back and relax. Mm-hmm. I had to, I did, I had to, you know, I, I talked with a pastor friend of mine, I had to check myself on that, mm-hmm. just to say, why am I going? <clears throat> Is it God, or do I want to go on vacation? Mm-hmm. Is it God, or do I want to permanently retire, and go, and live off a, I mean a missionary salary, and go overseas, and, 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 and just do my own thing? And he, he brought that up you know and he's a good friend of mine and so he brought that up and I just I prayed about I said God is that why I'm going and the answer was no but I seriously did have to think about that it's to do what it's to go with the gospel there's people in Poland just like there's people in Salt Lake City just like there's people in Ogden that need to be saved and we need to go with the gospel what's the mission field or so we got the mission what's the field for me, when we go, it'll we'll be Poland. What's your field? So, if your mission is to go with the gospel, what's your field? Where do you live? Ogden? Eve? Adam? I think there's no Adam. I don't know. Or is it Eve or Eve? It's Eden, okay. I've been calling it Eve this whole time. Wow. What a Polak. Uh, So you have Eden. And you have the garden somewhere else. Probably, I don't know. But it's wherever you're at, where you are, wherever God places you, that's your field. You have an opportunity wherever you are at work to reach people that no one else can reach Mm -hmm. in this church. You have a a position where you're at as far as where you live that nobody else, unless your neighbor's with someone here, But if you live in an area where nobody else is from the church, you have an opportunity to reach people where no one else does. Even a missionary halfway across the world can't reach them. Mm -hmm. And so to him, you're a missionary. Mm -hmm. How smart are we? Is the word missionary in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Do we find the word missionary in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? Mm -hmm. Who says yes? Mm -hmm. Who says no? Who's not gonna raise their hand? <laughs> okay, I have no place for you. Don't don't limp out of me now. You gotta vote yes or no. Yeah, nay. Come on. Make a, make a stand, make a choice. It's not. The word isn't. The we could say the definition or what a missionary is is definitely in the Bible. Is the word rapture in the Bible? Hmm. Hmm. Oh wow, we got some more people speaking up. <laughs> Yes or no? Yes, the word rapture? In the Bible? No, not in the Bible. Okay. All those little three-year-olds not raising their hands, I don't know. It's not. But guess what? The imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And I'll leave out the post. (laughs) people. Things like that for now. So your mission field is right here where you're at. Don't think it's just people that pick up money from churches and go halfway across the world. We're all in a sense a missionary. I, when I first came to the church at 19 years ago, I took down a sign that as you left the church, it said you are now entering the mission field. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, come on, missionaries and, you know, soul leaders are different. So I took it down. We don't have that building now. It's a house now. But you know what? I believe I was wrong. They say why? Because a missionary is just one that takes the gospel. One that goes with the gospel. Where? To their field. and You can go to your field as well as I can go to my field what does he say with this alert? He also has the harvest places. He says, look on the field. Just look, you'll, you'll find them. There's fields everywhere. What happens sometimes we're just indifferent to doing that. Maybe we've lost our spiritual vision. Our spiritual vision for the lost. We, in other words, we just don't care. Or maybe it's an indifference to just the awareness of the lost. That we do have lost people. Now I don't go around looking at people and saying you're saved, you're not saved, uh, you're saved, no, you're not saved, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to purgatory, this Nun. You're going to priest. You're going to purgatory. Everyone. <coughs> when the Holy Spirit, I believe, <coughs> prompts you to witness to someone, hand somebody a tract. I don't think He's prompting you to hand a tract to a saved person. Maybe if they need to find a church. A good church, but usually it's going to be to a lost person. Our real purpose toward the lost. Why are we even, why Why did God, when we got saved, why didn't he just take us to heaven? I mean, if that's what we're to do, we you know, we get saved, man, we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, okay, boom, you're in heaven. That would be great. But somebody has to reach the lost. The lost isn't going to reach the lost. The unsaved isn't going to reach, aren't going to reach the lost. Sometimes we can be indifferent, maybe about opportunities toward the lost, Christ's commission toward the lost, or maybe our, just our compassion. We're happy we're saved, but we get it out of our mind that other people aren't, and if they go to hell, well, that's their decision. They've made that choice, and there's no compassion. Not only did he give us instructive alerts, he gave us investigative action to the harvesting. I think this is the point many times that get people because he says, lift up your eyes and look on the harvest. Simply two things under this. The first one is we have to lift up our eyes, and I believe it's on this side. In our day and age, that takes something to do that. I don't have my phone here, but what are we living in? We're living in a day and age where everything's down here. Did you ever go to a restaurant and see a husband and a wife? Yeah. Or maybe you know in the world and their whole dating system but you may see two people dating and they're texting each other. Each, they're not even talking to each other. They're texting each other. Mm-hmm. What do I want to eat? Yeah. Same thing you do. You same thing, Maybe. <laughs> the table <laughs> without saying a word. They're all engrossed. Many times you see kids going through the store and the parents just have them on the phone playing a game. What does Jesus say? He says, hey, lift up your eyes. Look. Lift them up. Stop looking at ourselves. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at my situation. Folks, we're saved. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. What bad things can really happen? I I, I know we can go through things. I lost my mom. I lost my dad. I, I you know my sister-in-law, my brother's wife passed away. Those are, are things I look at, and I have a a, a desire to want to see them again. But you know, we can get so consumed with ourselves. <coughs> Woe is me and look what's happening to me. Jesus says, look what will happen to them if they don't receive me as Savior. Lift up your eyes. But then he says, look. Because we can lift up our eyes. Oh, okay. But he says, lift up your eyes. Now look. Look at people. And I I don't know why I'm a people person. I really don't. And it's almost weird. Because I I, I I I just look at people, and I say, whoa, you know. I try to stay out of Walmart after ten o'clock, because that that can be, you know, the new eyeballs after that's done. Because it's like Halloween every day. <laughs> I just like I'm sometimes I'll just be looking at someone and just thinking something, and then they're like, what "Are you staring at me?" For? I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not." I'm I like to sit at certain places at restaurants. I don't like people behind me. I like to see people. Again, it's just quirky things. We could just lift up our eyes and see nothing. Or we can lift up our eyes and look. And see the plight of the people. See them in their need. And Jesus Christ did that for us. No, Jesus Christ wasn't worried about himself. He gave up all of heaven come to this earth to die upon a cross why because of my sins and that's the way I have to see it. it's not because of your sins though it is it's because of my sins I can maybe just look and say it's oh, because of your sins It's because of uh, where you live and it's because of this religion that's why Jesus came it has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with us the Bible says Philippians turn to Philippians chapter 2 Philippians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So he's saying, don't look at yourself. And I know this is a verse that we'd probably look at and he's talking more about helping others. Mm-hmm just look at yourself. Don't get get engrossed about what you have and what you don't have. Help others. Look at others. See where others are hurting. See where you can be a a help to others. But notice what he says afterwards. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The idea that Jesus was not looking on himself but was looking on others, that was his mind. So we need to have the same mind that Jesus Christ had. We need to look not on ourselves, but on the things of others, especially when it comes to salvation. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to people. When Jesus Christ, as Savior, Helen Keller, was asked once, What would be worse than being born blind? To which she replied, having sight without vision. Mm-hmm. And we could see. But do we really see? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can bring that really personal and say, Hey, you know, those of us that have children, we have to raise our children. And we can see the flaws in everybody else's children except our own sometimes. Our kids are tearing down the walls. We're going to get mad at somebody else's kid because they threw a tissue on the floor. No, we need to have vision. Yes, with our families, but with the lost. Probably know Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Again, I do believe it's talking about vision where there is no vision, where there is no God's word being being, being put out. You want to see people perish? Look at all the churches that don't preach Jesus Christ, that don't preach the word of God. They're going to perish. Mm -hmm. Teaching salvation some other way than through Jesus Christ. Again, if we have no vision as far as looking at people and seeing their need and seeing that they need Jesus Christ, they will perish. They're just not just going to die a physical death. They'll die a spiritual death. Lift up our eyes. Look under the hills. The word look means to look closely at, to perceive. Not just to notice and say, like, oh, they're, they're a person yet. Yeah. but oh, they're a person with a soul. They're a person that needs Jesus Christ or might possibly need Jesus Christ. God, you want me to give them track? Okay, I will. Thirdly, the intensive activity in the harvesting, the alert, the action, the activity. In other words, being part of the harvest, it's going to take work. There's no way around it. I'm just going to pray that people get saved, but I'm not going to do a thing about it. We need to pray. Don't get me wrong. We need to pray. But we do need to put our prayers to action. Lord, pay my school bill. What do you mean get a job? Come on. Lord, you can provide you all the cattle on a thousand hills. How about a couple of head of cattle? You know, I'll, you know, you can give them to me just as easily as I can get a job. Or the one, no, I'm praying for a job. Well, did you go and fill out any application? No. I'm praying God will give me a job. Someone will come and offer it to me. Praying for people to be saved? Yes. Have you ever given a track out or witnessed? No. John 4.34 And then we'll go to 37 38 He says, Jesus saith unto them My need is to uh, do the will of him That sent me, to finish his work Doing the will of God Takes effort, doing his work Finishing his work took effort Jesus didn't just sit there And not say anything to the woman And just kept kept his mouth closed and said well, I can't talk to her, Jesus Samaritan I can't say anything wasn't doing that. He just talked to her. And then turn something just as simple as a well of water in relating that to her that you, know, you can have your sins forgiven through Jesus Christ. You can have a, a well springing up with living water. There's one one soweth in verse 37. Another reapeth. Those two are action words. Reaping and sowing. Verse 38. Other men labor. That's work. And ye are entered into their labors. Mm-hmm. takes work. Farmer knows what work is. I know it's kind of dwindled in the past. Now they got air-conditioned combines. You know, let's just plug my field in here. We'll do that whole GPS thing. <sighs> Sit back and it goes for you. Not everybody has that. The rich ones that gave into the government and got all their land. Never mind. Uh, but um, it takes work. I don't know. I, you got to get out there. You got to dig up the ground. Then you got to plant. Then you got to do it at certain times because if it's raining, you're not going to take your expensive vehicles out there. That's like people that have cars. i Am not going to drive my car in the mud? Get all muddy? Am I going to drive my tractor in the mud? Get all muddy? then if you do that, you know, then you got to take care of it. And then, you know, especially if you have a field and it needs water because you're not having enough rain, then you got to make sure you have those. I don't even know what kind of sprinkler systems they have. They're they're pretty big. I helped your dad with one just a little bit. We moved it just a little bit. So it could water some other area. Then we got to harvest it. And we got to get out there just time because sometimes in Illinois it'll rain in the fall. And if we don't get out there when we have the right time, and if we let it stay out a little bit longer than it rains, then I can't take the combine in there to harvest in because it might get stuck in the mud. And then if the crop stays out there too long in the rain, it'll get moldy, and then you lose a whole crop. There is no harvesting. You know, we can make the same excuses. Spiritually speaking. It's cold. Is it ever not cold? I guess it is sometimes, but you live in an area, man. Put on them snowshoes and go cross-country skiing. You know you can have uh, a what, what do you call those uh, snowmobile routes. We are laborers together with God. You no, know, it sounds like work. The last thing we see is an incentive that's announced in the harvesting. It still amazes me that God, that, that Jesus Christ did everything for us. Died on the cross, shed his blood, suffered so much for me. And then he says, hey, if you'll just labor for me. If you'll work for me and you'll sow and you'll uh, plow and you'll sow and then you'll reap and you harvest. He says, you know what, I have rewards for you. Amen. You know, we really do have to stand back and say, why? After all you did for me, why? That's how good God is. That's how good Jesus Christ is. And if we got what we deserved, if I got what I really deserved. I wouldn't be standing here. It wouldn't be heaven. But for the grace of God. He that reapeth, verse 36, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. 1 Corinthians 3 eight. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. And I don't know if it'll be crowns or what it is. I do know we receive crowns. And it's not to put on our head and click it backwards or turn it around. Get to heaven and say, Look at my crowns. And I have to be careful when I'm in the southern area. I could say crowns and they think I'm talking about the little colored wax things. And I have to say, No, not crayons. Crown. <laughs> but you receive your crowns. Not to wear in heaven, not to boast, but to take and do what? Lay at the feet of Jesus Christ. Our service here. Yes, he rewards us. We get to take those rewards when we get to heaven. Give them back to him. Will we have any? Again, it's not this kind of competition where I'm going to the mission field so I can get more crowns than you. And I can give more crowns. No, just be faithful. His reward. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you had a man that had five talents and got five more, uh, two talents and got two more. One guy buried his. You had the other one, the other parable of the the talents, and they were a little bit less. But Jesus always said to all of them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Don't ever say, well, I want to be a missionary. If God hasn't called you to be a missionary, you know what? Just do what God's called you to do and be faithful then you can be the most faithful Sunday school teacher. And in doing so to third and fourth grade boys, I'm just throwing that out. And maybe out of those third and fourth grade boys, as your their Sunday school teacher, a dozen of them go off and become missionaries. Why? Because you were a faithful teacher. You had God's power. You showed them how to be saved. And some of them got saved in your class. You you, you taught them maybe about missions or about going. And God was able to work on their heart as they grew up. God was able to call them and use them to go be missionaries, to go be pastors. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well done, thou good and faithful missionary. Pastor put in there, well done, thou good and faithful Sunday school teacher. Well done, thou good and faithful bus driver. Well done, thou good and faithful servant of the Lord. Verse after verse, Revelation 22 and verse 12, I come quickly, my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I already mentioned the two verses in Matthew 25, 21 and 23. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. One quote put it like this, earth for work, heaven for wages, this life for the battle, another for the crown. In John 4, we close, verse 38. I sent you to reap that whereupon ye bestow no labor, other men labored ye are entered into their labors. What do I picture as Jesus is talking about lifting up their eyes and looking onto the harvest? And I'm picturing that maybe the harvest was just planted. And so he says to them, four months and then come at the harvest? He says, no, lift up your eyes and look. That is that as Jesus was talking to his disciples, as they came up to him, she had already left. She went into the city and she told everyone in the city, hey, you've got to see the man that told me everything I did. He has to be the Messiah. Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there Two days. I should go back, actually, verse 29. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And then the disciples came. So what's happening? This big multitude of people are coming to see Jesus. Men from the Middle East probably have the turbans on their head. Such a multitude that they look like what? They look like a harvest field. That's white already to harvest. I truly believe that as he told his disciples to lift up your eyes and look on the harvest, they're looking and they don't see a a harvest field. They see a bunch of people, a multitude of people coming. He says, there's the field. There's the harvest that's already white. And you're going to enter into somebody's labor that you didn't do anything for. Who did it? Jesus did it all. I do believe that the disciples were going to be able to teach some and be able to witness to some and tell them who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get to enter into other men's labors. They did all the work. But all of a sudden God just has them fall into your lap and now he just needs someone to finish the job to show them and lead them to Christ. Or maybe <laughs> it's the other way. He allows you to plan and allows you to sow. So somebody else can enter into your labor. You know it really doesn't matter. As long as you're doing. What God would have you to do at that time. You can be a sower. You can be a harvester. You don't have to do it in Poland. You don't have to do it. In another state. You can do it right now. Right here. You can be a missionary right here for the Lord. in service to Him.